your Bibles are open to Joshua chapter number 2. We're going to read together just verses 1 through 7, but we're actually going to talk about this entire chapter. I encourage you, if you're a teenager that is visiting with us, or if you're a teenager that's been here a long time, bring your Bibles, bring your notebooks, so that you can get everything out of the message that you can. Verse number 1, it says, And Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. The king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they be come to search out all the country. The woman took the two men and hid them and said thus, There came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. And it came to pass about the time of the shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out. Whither the men went, I wot not. Pursue after them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. But she had brought them up into the roof of the house, and hid them in the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after the way to Jordan unto the fords, and as they uh, which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate." Tonight we're going to talk about a great faith of the harlot Rahab. The great faith of the harlot Rahab. Let me just state here at the beginning that the most important thing about you is your faith in God. It's not about what you look like. It's certainly not about the color of your skin. It's not about where you're from. It's not about what kind of parents you have. It's not about how perfect and put together you present yourself. The most important thing about you is your faith in God. I was in Grand Prairie, Texas many years ago, many, many years ago, doing a neighborhood Bible time rally, much like the teen rally that we've shown a video of tonight. I used to travel and do that. And there was a young girl, and I don't have time to tell you the full story, so I'll give you kind of the shorter version. But she was 12 or 13 years old. Uh, She was just in that age gap where she was able to go to the kids' services and the teen services. Uh, Jade had a very hard heart. Uh, Jade had uh, told us right at the beginning as she was kind of flaunting that she had already lost her virginity at 12 years old. Uh, Jade uh, smoked. Jade did all sorts of stuff. Her parents were actually gypsies, so no doubt she had traveled around and she had a hard childhood. She had a second-grade education. Uh, Jade didn't have a great life. And in fact, Jade was the most rebellious teenager. Get this, and I know you guys. She was the most rebellious teenager I have ever known in my life. And I remember she would come into the teen services, and, and the partner that I traveled with, he had her for the kids' services, and she did the same thing. She had a phone with internet access, and she would sit in the very, very back, and she would sit on her phone, and she would almost put her face in her lap, and she would be on her phone make no eye contact with anyone, including myself, and she would just sit there on her phone the entire time. And we might have people like that come down to youth group sometimes, right? We might have people come into youth group that you say they don't really fit in. They don't really have a place here. And we might be tempted to say, that person does not belong with us. Hey, we're in the church. Hey, this is a church activity. Why is she allowed to just sit in the back on her phone? Why is she allowed to be so rebellious and talk back to the leaders? Why, why, why are we going to allow this girl to continue to come? And many adult workers testified to just that. They said we should just kick her out. She's probably going to start doing drugs at the property. She's she's no good to us. Why are we bringing her here 
anyways. You might say, Pastor Scotty, Christ would never save a girl like that. I submit to you tonight that no one is past the point of salvation from Jesus Christ. There is not a sinner too deep in his or her sin that they are too far from the saving knowledge of Christ Jesus. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And the second to last night of Neighborhood Bible Time, I began to open my Bible and I began to preach much like I am to you right now. I started to preach on faith. And I started to, along with faith, preach on hell and the promise of eternal life. And the moment that I mention that Jesus Christ loves you so much that He took your punishment, Jade's eyes popped up from the back of that auditorium. And her eyes for the rest of that service, as they talked about the fires of hell and the glory of heaven, as they talked about the sin of man, and as they talked about the crucifixion of Christ, her eyes darted at me and she just stared at me the whole time. And near the end of the service, tears began to come down this girl's eyes. And as the invitation was given, we ran out of counselors. The Lord was really working. We ran out of counselors, and I, myself, and my partner actually went back. And we had a janitor or something just stand there with some kids that were left. And my partner and I got to actually lead Jade to the Lord. But before we did, she sat there for five to ten minutes weeping. Not crying, weeping. And when she looked up, we asked, why are you crying? And she said, I can't believe that someone would love me so much with everything that I've done. Rahab, here in the Scripture, had done a lot wrong. The Hebrew word for harlot in this passage can mean the keeper of an inn. It can mean like a, a person in that day, maybe she had a hotel on the walls of Jericho, but James and the book of Hebrews denote certainly that she was, in fact, a prostitute. And the most important thing about you is not what you look like. The most important thing about you is not the color of your skin. It's not about where you're from. It's not about what kind of parents you have, and it's not how perfect and put together you present yourself. The most important thing about you is your faith in God. Let's notice this evening three crucial aspects of Rahab's faith. How did this woman that was steeped in the sin that was so deep in her life, that was so, uh, she was so ashamed of, that no doubt everyone knew her as a woman of the streets. Oh, that's just Rahab. She's just a prostitute. Oh, that's Rahab. She's just a woman of the streets. But guess what? Oh, that's Rahab. That's someone that God Himself loves. And let's talk about this tonight. First of all, what kind of faith did Rahab show? She showed courageous faith. In verses 1 through 7, you see the two spies sent in. And now we're getting back into our Joshua series, right? You see Joshua, uh, he had been promised to complete the wars that he had. He was promised the land. And God said, just go take it. But Joshua decided, as a good commander does, to send in two spies to seek out the land, to see what the people, the attitude, the preparation of the people was. Were, were they standing back from the gate? Were they standing behind the walls? Were they ready? Were they scared of us? Do they know that we're coming? Uh, spies, go tell us these things. And they come to the city. I have no idea how these two spies got in Jericho. The book of Deuteronomy speaks of uh, possibly Jericho. It talks about these walled cities in the Canaan land. It talked about them that they're that their walls reached to the skies. So in these days, there weren't walls like this everywhere. And Jericho was about six to eight acres, and that's about it. 
Uh, Ethan, it's about the size of your property. Jericho was a, a fairly small, in our mind, a fairly small city surrounded with a double wall with in-between guards. Uh, so here you see her courageous faith. The spies somehow get in. And by the way, this just speaks of the providence of God. The spies get in and they could have gone to any of the houses in Jericho. But who do they go to? The woman that is seeking the Lord. Who does God send the two spies to? He sends them to the one woman in the city of Jericho and the one family that was willing to repent and come out of that place and join the people of Israel. She had courage. Why did she have courage? She had risked her very life by letting these spies in. This was a dictatorship. Uh, This was a very dangerous time uh, in this land. If they would have known that Rahab took these people in, she would have been put to death publicly. Uh, This was a land that worshipped idols. This was a land that hated the one true living God that is the heaven, that is the God of heaven and the God of earth that you will see Rahab reference later. She understood that they were spies. She understood that they were God's men and that God would conquer Jericho eventually. Why? James 2 and Hebrews 31 indicate that she had already placed her faith in God because she had heard of the great Jehovah, the Jehovah God that split the Red Sea. She had heard of the great God that sent the plagues out of Egypt, and now the people of Israel were coming towards them. She had heard of the victories of Moses, and now it says in James 2.25, Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. Hebrews 11.31, By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not, uh, insinuating that she was already saved, insinuating that she already had faith in God when she received the spies with peace. This was no doubt a very courageous thing that she did. Imagine yourself right now in North Korea. It's hard for you to do, right? Who knows what it looks like? We only know what they show us, by the way, because it's a very closed country. Uh, If you don't know much about North Korea, if you're a Christian in North Korea, it's very likely if you're a Christian and you're public with your faith, Not just that you'll be jailed for your faith, but you more than likely will be murdered for your faith in Jesus Christ just by expressing it. And and, and Lord forbid that you would hold a church meeting. They would kill all of you. Imagine going into North Korea. Imagine living in North Korea, on the other hand, and someone coming to your door knocking, two Christians with Bibles, right? Hey, can you get us away from King Jong-un? Right? Can you get us away from him? His armies are coming after us. He's going to kill us. Can we hide with you? And you see soldiers coming after them, and and they might even see them coming into your house. By the way, I think that people had seen the two spies go into her house. Why? Because the king knew to go straight to Rahab. Right? He knew to go to her. So these people no doubt had a knowledge. Uh, But can you imagine? Would you let them in? Would you have the faith in God to say God's going to protect me or God will uh, greet me in heaven, at heaven's gates, right? So Rahab had this courageous faith. And by the way, I think she was at her wit's end. This harlot, this woman, uh, this woman that was a prostitute, no doubt was seeking God during this time. There was something missing in her life and she courageously had the faith in God to let the spies in. And not only that, but also, and there, I'm not going to park on this for long, She also had the faith to lie to the people that came to her house and not give out the information that the spies told her not to give out. See, she knew the direction the spies were going. She actually let them down by a scarlet cord, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But she, by faith, lied to the tyrannical government 
so that, first of all, they would not kill the spies. By the way, if those two spies would have died, Joshua would never have known the situation in Jericho. By the way, if Rahab wouldn't have told the spies, hey, everyone's scared. By the way, Rahab said that. Everyone's afraid. We're trembling because the God, uh, uh, the God that did all these miraculous works, He's coming for us now, and Joshua is coming for us. And this was a city, by the way, Jericho, with mighty, mighty walls. This was a city with chariots of iron and horses that were made for battle, that were bred for war, and men that had all sorts of weaponry that you could have in that day. And here comes the people of Israel with manna in their back pocket. Right? So, so you see this, and, and they are afraid of these people, so she courageously lets them in. And verses number 8 through 11, she has also confident faith. Not just courageous faith, she has confident faith. By the way, if you need to leave at 8 o'clock, you can leave now, otherwise we're going until 8.10, just so you know. She also has confident faith. Look at verse number 8. Before they were laid down, she came into, she came up unto them upon the roof. She said unto the man, I know that the Lord giveth you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard of the Lord, that the Lord that dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did unto the two cities of the, of to the, of to the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, uh, Seho and Og, where you did utterly destroyed and as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man. I find it interesting the Scripture uses that word. Neither did there remain any courage in these people. By the way, what was Joshua? What was the Lord trying to put in Joshua? He was trying to put courage in. Neither uh, any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He has God in heaven above and heaven and earth. That is a big statement for a Canaanite living in Jericho. That is a statement to say the religion that I grew up with, the idol worship that I grew up with, everything that my life is about, I acknowledge is wrong, and now I acknowledge that your God, the true God, Jehovah God, capital L-O-R-D God, is the God of heaven and the God of earth. Nothing is before Him, nothing is beside Him. He is God. She had a confident faith. Rahab's faith looked past the supposed safety that was supposed to be dwelt in in Jericho and looked instead to the power of God. Wouldn't it have been so easy for Rahab to say, you know what, I'm not going to let these spies in because Jericho is a safe place, right? I make money here. I have a decent life here. She could have said, you know what, I'm safe here in Jericho. But she understood that God was bigger than the powers of Jericho, and that took great faith. They also, uh, this also flew in the face of the idol-worshiping background that she was brought up in. She had confident faith in God. She notably had courageous faith. She notably had confident faith, but she also had concerned faith. Look at verses number 12 through 14. Verses 12 through 14. It says, Now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that you also show kindness unto my Father's house, and give me a true token." I'm going to stop there and just kind of explain what's happening here because we're running out of time. Rahab is asking these men, these two spies, for a covenant. And a covenant is more than just an agreement. A covenant is a promise. And typically, God, along with the covenant in the Scripture, would provide a token. Uh, God provided a covenant that whoever uh, would uh, place the blood of the, of the innocent lamb upon the threshold of the door 
Uh, you remember that in Egypt at the Passover, right? You, you remember that. You remember if they, if they put that blood there, that was the token in that covenant. In almost every covenant, you see that the Lord provides a token. And the men here provide Rahab with a token. She actually uh, is concerned about not just herself, but she's also concerned about her family, her immediate family. She asks, and by the way, you see so much in Scripture about this. After Andrew met Christ, he immediately told his brother Simon. After the cleansed leper uh, was saved by Jesus Christ, he went and he told all. After the blind man was made that he can see, God said, don't tell anyone about this. And then what did he do? He went and told the whole city about it, right? So we see this model in Scripture. By the way, the rich man in hell, what was his first cry up to Abraham, up to God in Abraham's bosom and while he was in hell? What was his first cry? Hey, send someone to my family. I've got brothers. I've got sisters. I've got people that don't know God. By the way, he requested a drip of water once. He requested that someone would go preach to his family three times. How are you doing with your faith? Are you concerned in your life for the lost people around you? Because I guarantee you this, you don't have long to reach them. And Rahab knew that. And Rahab was concerned about those around her, and she wanted them also to receive the faith that she had. She wanted her family to just have a chance. Can you imagine having a family so steeped in the religions of Jericho? And she said, hey, if, if you'll just save my family, I'll keep you safe. If you'll just save my family, I'll let you down. If you'll just save my family, I will make a covenant with you. And these two men said, hey, we'll make that covenant, but you can't tell these men anything. You can't tell them where we're going, but you can't tell them how we're going to conquer the land. And she says, well, how are you going to know uh, the question has risen, how are you going to know that you're supposed to come back and save me and just my family? So then this is interesting. By the way, Scripture, there is a scarlet cord running through Scripture. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you should study it out. And this is a part of that line. Uh, so the spies tell her, the scarlet rope that you're going to let down your window to let us out of the walls of Jericho I want you to keep that same rope in your window. That way we'll know to come back and save you and your family. I'm going to skip forward to Joshua 4 for a moment, and I'm not going to read anything, but that's exactly what happens. The men come back, and by the way, that scarlet cord is a picture of the redemption of Christ, the redemption of Christ's blood. It's the same kind of redemption that is shown with the token of the blood over the household. It is the same kind that it's so much in the Old Testament, the Isaiah 53 passage. There's so much that this connects with, and God here is connecting the gaps. This person's putting their faith in gospel. He's giving them a promise of redemption. So she had concerned faith, not just for herself, but she wanted everyone that she knew, all of her direct family members, everyone that she had influence over to come with her and have faith. But lastly, she had covenant faith. And we've talked about this already uh, once, but look at verse number 18. We're almost done. Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window which thou didst let us down by. Thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and thy father's household home unto thee. Skip forward to verse number 21. And she said, According unto your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed. She bound the scarlet line in the window, and they went, and they came unto the mountain, and abode there three days. By the way, there's three days. That's three days again. You guys remember last time? They're abiding three days and then going away safely. This is another picture of redemption. Uh, so verse number 20, they went and they came into the mountain abode there three days until the pursuers were returned and the pursuers sought 
them throughout all the way, but found them not. Why? Because they didn't go that way. Rahab lied to them, right? Verse number 23. So the two men returned and descended from the mountain and passed over and came to Joshua, the son of Nun, and told him all the things that befell them. And they said unto Joshua, Truly the Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land forever. All the inhabitants of the country do faint because of us. What is the significance of a prostitute living in Jericho? How can she help the Lord? How can she be a part of God's plan? Well, that same very Rahab, after she was redeemed before Jericho's walls fell and the armies were conquered and the land was taken, guess what happened? Joshua and his men went and they saved Rahab out of that house and her whole family just like was promised. And guess who Rahab ends up marrying? She begins to date and then marries an Israelite. And guess what? Rahab is the great-great-grandmother of David. And David, it's said that Christ is of the seed of David. A prostitute woman that lived an idolatrous life in an idolatrous land is part of the genealogy of Christ. I hope you understand the significance of that. God is never too done with you that He won't save you, teenager. If you're sitting in this room, you say, God can't save me. He doesn't know what I've done. Oh, no, 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 no. God, all throughout the Scripture, makes it very clear. It doesn't matter what you've done. It matters what Christ did on that cross. Many of you here weren't able to raise your hands last week that you are 100% sure that you're going to heaven. Can I tell you this? God wants to make a covenant with you. God's got a promise for you. For God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have ever lasting life. The same God that Rahab placed her faith in and found salvation and redemption is the same God you need to place your faith in tonight if you're not saved. And Christian, let this be an example to you when someone comes down here. And by the way, kind of sick of this, to be honest with you guys. Look right up here. I'm sick of this in our church. I'm sick of this down here. I'm tired of someone coming in and sitting in the back and no one talking to them. Oh, that person's weird. Oh, that person we don't connect well. That is a person who Jesus Christ died for. That is a person that God loves just as much as He loved Rahab. That is a person that God loves equally to you as well. Teenager, don't judge people. It's not about the color of your skin. It's not about what family you grew up in. It's not about your lifestyle. It's not about what you look like. It's not about where you're from. The most important thing about you is your faith in God.